Welcome to the Amazon Legends Podcast, where we have real stories about making it big on Amazon. Our guests are CEOs of large companies and entrepreneurs who became powerful sellers, also experts specializing in helping sellers, and both former and current Amazon employees who will give us an insight from behind the scenes. Here's your host, Nick Urison. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Amazon Legends. My guest today is a former Amazon seller, chief growth officer, and co-founder of Getida, and uh, host of the Prime Talk podcast. So everybody, meet my guest, Yoni Mazar. Welcome to the show, Yoni. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. So um, Yoni is right at the top of the food chain for Amazon sellers to find something that we all need, whether you are an Amazon seller or a business owner, we can't live without it no matter how rich we get. So tell us, Johnny, what is that you find? Um, something that I found very useful for people and businesses, uh, it's money. So how do you do that? Will you, you like go out hunting, treasure hunt, or <laughs> anything uh, like that? We, <laughs> no, uh, I used to, I, I once traveled in the, in the Amazons of, Brazil, of uh, South America. I hunted there, I had a gun, and we're hunting things. But this is a different kind of hunt. Today we're doing it with data and mathematics. Uh, so it's it's uh, simply auditing. So uh, we do with the use of uh, technology uh, and analytics. So, you know, these days, everything is about data. So data obviously uncovers opportunities. And in your case, <laughs> what kind of analytics are you looking at? And, and what, where is this money? And whose money is this? This is like somebody else's money or money that nobody claimed. Like, you know, you have those things that somebody dies, somebody leaves something and the state's registered <laughs> and then suddenly, so, uh, or is it your, your own money that you wasted away and, or you had no idea? Tell us about that. So essentially it's, uh, it's uh, the, the money of the sellers. So I'm going to kind of unpackage uh, uh, this, all the elements that I guess are relevant for, for sellers, Amazon sellers who are listening and watching to understand. So uh, essentially, when you send your inventory to Amazon's fulfillment centers, because of course, you have two options in terms of logistics. You can have your own warehouses where you can, fill, you can fulfill the orders that come from the marketplace. But of course, the second option is to use Amazon's ProS, logistics ProS. So you can just send your inventory to Amazon's fulfillment centers. This way, you also get the prime badge, you know, the one-day shipping, two-day shipping, all these elements. But when you send your products to Amazon, your inventory, um, your inventory can get lost or damaged or destroyed or disappeared or, di- or overcharged with fees. So all these elements happen. Uh, Amazon pr- uh, provides you a time frame where you can basically find these issues. You have pretty much up to 18 months on most issues. Then you have nine months and then you have three months. I can get to that later. Uh, so there's time limits. But after you find the issue, of course, what you need to do is open a case ta- with Amazon and represent yourself and present all the information, all the data, basically the minus, because you find the minus one, minus 10, whatever the minus is. And of course, if you're eligible for a recovery for a financial reimbursement, they will provide it to you. So let's say you shipped 1,000 units to Amazon's fulfillment center, and Amazon, instead of receiving 1,000 units, only 990 units got received. So you find a minus 10, right? That's through data and analytics. And then you open a case with Amazon, and they look at the information, and then, of course, they start investigating. If they find the missing units, you're good to go. You can sell your units and make your money. It's all great. No harm done. And if they can't find it and they deem that it's eligible for reimbursement, they're going to pay you um, for those 10 units. Now, what's really interesting is that when they pay you for those 10 units, uh, they're doing something that is actually very nice of Amazon, in my humble opinion. They pay you the retail value, not the cost value. 
right? So for, for these 10 units, if you were about to sell them for $20 on Amazon's marketplace, they're going to pay $200. But if your cost is only $5, you're not going to get $5. You're going to get $20. So essentially, the ability to do data analytics, right, and auditing and get a recovery, a financial recovery, you're getting something that's yours, which is your investment, the $5 you invested to the inventory, but also you're making profit, mm-hmm. right? Because Amazon is effectively, effectively buying this inventory off your hands. And that's how you can turn a double negative to a double positive. Instead of losing your money because you invested into the inventory, you shift it to where you get your money back and you make profit like you designed to do in the first place. So so this, this, this is a, it's a very complex subject because it's not just as clear cut as I send 100 pieces, they receive 90, pay me the 10 because everything gets spread over time. And so again, for the benefit of the listeners, so you have fulfillment by Amazon, which is called FBA and fulfillment by merchant, which is FBM. So FBM, you're doing your own shipping. This conversation does not apply. Because you are responsible for your own inventory, whatever you do, you lose, you, you win. It's, it's it's your business. Right. So we're talking about FBA strictly. So if it's FBA, that means that you send shipments in bulk to Amazon facility, and in some cases they split the shipment. Right? They say send twenty pieces here, thirty pieces there, based on if you have built some historical data where your sales are coming from, they want to send the inventory to the closest place that's going to receive the most order. So so you split. So that 100 pieces suddenly becomes five shipments of, let's say, 20 pieces approximately, just for the sake of argument. Yep. So now that one shipment, four shipments are received, no problem. And then one shipment, again, to make it simple, and one shipment says in receiving. So now in receiving or receiving uh, means that they, re- they may have received 15 and they will, they will show 15 received, but the status states, uh, states receiving. That means that there's nothing you can do because they are still playing with it, basically. It may be in multiple boxes. They may have opened most. There may be one that's questionable and blah, blah. So there is nothing you can do until that status changes to received. Once it says received and you still ended up with five pieces short, at that point, you can open an investigation. However, even then, there is a time limit, right? Correct. There's about nine months. Yeah, there's about nine months for the shipments. Yeah. Yeah. So they may find it. They may find it afterwards. So... So now you have to wait, you have to watch that after the time limit goes by and you've got enough systems in place, you can then go back to Amazon and say, okay, I received, my my inventory was received five pieces short. So at that point, they will do something about it, right? So these are the mechanics of it. Is that right? Uh, Pretty much. That's just the entry. That's just the firing shot. This is just one example out of many. I just wanted to, because I, I give the most simple one because most sellers will understand it because they do it. They send uh, their inventory to FBA and then there's missing units. So they kind of, this is like the gateway issue into this world. But of course, after your inventory gets received by Amazon, now it's inside. Your inventory is inside their fulfillment centers. Inside, they get lost or damaged or destroyed or disappear or get overcharged with fees. 
once they're inside the, the, the fulfillment centers, but also between the centers. Sometimes Amazon might shift your products internally from one location to another. Let's say they might shift it from, um, from Kentucky to California, California to Nevada to have a spread. Same elements happen when they move it around. Also, when uh, they, um, between the fulfillment center is to the consumers. When all the orders come in and, and they fulfill the orders, those same elements happen from the consumers back to Amazon with all the refunds and the returns. And of course, from the fulfillment center back to you if you ever do FBA removal orders. So all these logistical friction points, you have those, these five, six elements that can occur and you have to be very attentive to that. You have to be able to constantly order for that. In other words, you have to create a reality where you have a system or, or a bit, an ability to be like a bodyguard for every single unit that enters the Amazon's fulfillment center, that bodyguard, because that bodyguard all of a sudden sees, okay, something happened and it's not a, not normal, meaning if it got sold, it's all good, right? And then it got delivered, it's all good. It got paid, it's all good. But anything beyond that, that didn't happen, all of a sudden then there's no value to the inventory, meaning it's not there anymore or it's not sellable anymore, but there's no perfect, uh, perfectly good explanation. That's a discrepancy, at least mathematically. So you have to kind of provide the data. You have to present it. Uh, you have to also make sure it's well-researched. You can't just throw numbers at Amazon without having any logic. They're not going to appreciate it. Um, so once again, through the use of, data, uh, use of data and analytics, we're able to find those discrepancies with all these elements, present information to Amazon. And of course, if they, um, they do their investigation and they see that they're eligible for a recovery, they're going to pay you for that recovery. And once again, you, you're flush with money that you never would have dreamed to have because it's complex. It's very mathematical. It's um, uh, also the world of Amazon sellers. We, we see that it's kind of split in the middle. Half of the sellers are not, even, are not even aware that there's an issue, that they're actually eligible to file claims. Simply zero uh, awareness. Hopefully this episode will wake them up. And uh, from that point on, or from this point on, actually, they're going to they're gonna be able to take action and, and get more recoveries. I'm going to teach you guys how to do it a little bit as much as I can here verbally on, on this episode. Um, but the other half of the sellers, they kind of do something about it. They they have some something going, but they don't know how deep it goes, how much more they can get. They might only just kind of uh, uh, do an auditing just for the shipments, but not for everything else. Or they might do it just for a lost warehouse, but not for the received shipping. In other words, if they are eligible to get uh, $20,000, they only get a 5000 They don't even know that it can get another fifteen. So uh, our mission is to make sure that uh, sellers get maximum recovery wherever they are and whatever stage you're in. So uh, we encourage the sellers to do the maximum they can do on their own. And whatever they're missing out on, we're going to be able to come in, right? Do the analytics, provide the recovery. And only if we're successful getting them recovery, only then we charge a fee, by the way. That's kind of our mission. So we're purely performance-based. We don't charge a subscription. We don't, uh, there's no contract to anything. Uh, we're purely data-driven. And, and and our ability to help is is um, is based on results and performance. So that's kind of the elements, elements we're able to, 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 to build and provide that value and service to the sellers community out there for the past seven years. So it's it's also a tedious process. So you know that that so basically what you are saying is whenever and whenever a single piece moves within the Amazon ecosystem, there is the risk of that piece not reaching its destination. And of course, those movements are the starting point is from you to Amazon. So that's just one piece. <clears throat> and then Amazon moves it from within their own network of distribution centers. That And that can move, but same piece can move several times. Let's say another. And then the customer returns it back to you. Well, you know, when you're using FBA, anybody can just print a label and return the item and get a refund. No questions asked. 
By the way, they get their refund the minute that they hand it off to. Uh, Correct. Now you're getting it, uh huh? But it never got. But they, well, for some reason, they never shipped it back, or they did ship it back, but it never made it back. The carrier might have lost it. Whatever happened. Or they shipped an empty box. So well, they shipped it direct. Yeah. All these things, and plus they have this this new like, well, it's not so new anymore, uh, where you can drop it off at a Whole Foods store or you can drop it off at a coal, uh, you know, store. store yeah. Mm-hmm. So there is all kinds of ways for that return merchandise to make it back to Amazon's hands, so to speak, for Amazon to say, okay, <coughs> this customer bought one piece. Return one piece and it's saleable. Put it back in stock. Return one piece is damaged. There's nothing we can do. Return one piece. They tagged it saleable, but by the time it was time to put it in stock, they found they damaged it in the warehouse themselves. Yes. So there's all these things. Variations right? and elements that happen. Exactly. Over high level, it's about 30 plus that we look into. Yeah. So, uh, so you really, as a seller, First of all, you've got to keep on top of these things because you are counting pennies in terms of the margins that you want to maintain. Because when you create your revenue model, you allow so much for merchandise, so much for Amazon commission, so much for FBA fee, so much for advertising, and then a little bit some pieces. It's another bucket, but really it shouldn't exceed. But suddenly you... Inventory is being siphoned out of your operation. That's a huge margin you're losing, right? So, right. Um, so, so, I understand this is the service you provide, but clearly there are other companies doing this and it's mostly automated. Click here, click here. Suddenly you can see how much money may come back to you. And then as soon as you click, you know, you get something happening. So, what are those people doing behind the scenes? And then, how, what is the right way of doing it? Right. So in other words, let me give you guys. So whoever's listening and watching can actually take some action after this episode and make some, uh, basically recover some money that's uh, rightfully theirs, that they, that their own. Um, in regards to the other players, uh, we can touch that, but I really want to make sure that really whoever's listening to this will make some money. So yeah. let's, let's take a moment and try to do that. So um, if, when you log into your Amazon Sell Essential account, uh, I'm going to sh- teach you right now how to basically to reconcile your shipments. You just go to uh, Amazon Sell Essential. You go to Inventory, management, uh, Manage FBA uh, Shipments. You go there and you look at your um, case shipment uh, log, right? You have the shipment log or in every shipment that, that you ever shipped to Amazon. You can be able to see it over there and look for the shipment that basically you ship, let's say, 1,000 units and many, maybe they only receive 190. So you find, find those types of units where they expected a certain amount, but they got a, a little bit less. Okay, that is how you can uh, tediously find it on the sell, Seller uh, Essential. We use technology to find it in bulk for for uh, at every day for for a big network of, of users. But in any case, if you want to do it yourself, this is how you do it. Not a problem. You go in and then you you open that shipment. And in the shipment, you'll see that you're able to. There's a, a module called reconcile. And over there, you're gonna see. Okay, let's say you shipped a thousand units, only 990 received. You're gonna see like a minus 10 in red, and you're gonna see a drop down menu. If you really know that you shipped a thousand units, 990, uh, meaning there's an issue. You should tell them, okay, uh, missing units, please investigate. If you know that you under, uh, undershipped, it's okay. You can tell them I undershipped and reconcile, it's all good. Sometimes that can happen. You really expected to ship a certain, a certain amount of uh, inventory, but actually you kind of ship less. You didn't adjust the information. That's your opportunity to adjust and it's all good. That also want to make sure that people are aware because uh, uh, sometimes people find surprises with their warehouses. Like, yeah, yeah, we're uh, there's 10 units missing and uh, 
We forgot to update it until Amazon. So if that's the case, make sure you have uh, your 3PL and your logistic, uh, logistical operation on lockdown. But in any case, uh, it's called uh, missing and please investigate. Now this stage, they might ask you from doc for some documentation. So make sure you have those prepared. They might not ask you for um, uh, proof of delivery, POD. So make sure, so whatever you ship, they say, hey, prove to me that it got delivered. So it's called POD, proof of delivery. Make sure you have those handy. The second thing can be POP, a proof of purchase. And proof of purchase can be either an invoice, which most of you, if not all of you, should have. Or if you're a private label seller with brand registry, instead of an invoice, if you don't want to disclose your supplier or manufacturer, you can give them a packing slip. So once again, I told you how to go to Sale Essential, how to find the, the mathematical discrepancy, log in, tell them I'm missing, please investigate, and make sure you have these paperwork ready just in case if they ask you for it. And if they do, provide it to them, and then they're going to start researching. And of course, if those uh, uh, 10 units are uh, deemed as missing, boom, they're going to provide you with the reimbursement. So this is the basic element that all of you should be doing. If you've never heard of this, you've never done this, after this episode is over, go do it. It's your money, and you're going to get it. So please do. That's kind of the first entry level. Questions about that, or you want to say something, Nick? Well, uh, this is just this is the easiest one. How about those transfers between different VCs? There we go. So, so I want to, you know, step by step, you got to crawl before you run. So now uh, let's get uh, let's get to it. So uh, I'm going to do this verbally. I hope I get it uh, right and, and not over confuse anybody. Once again, if this is too complex, there's too much of a headache. You, you don't even know where to begin. There's solutions out there that can help. We happen to be one of them, but do outreach, you'll find the right solutions out there. No problem. So the second type is all these issues that happen internally. Uh, I can recap and say it's lost or damaged inside the warehouses with all these locations. So essentially, you're going to have to grab data from three databases. From th or in other words, you're going to have to kind of uh, download uh, three types of reports with from Cell Essential. When you download these reports, make sure they're, they're for the past 18 months because Amazon gives you for this type of issue an 18-month window to look back. Okay, so the first type of report is inventory adjustment report. And I repeat, inventory adjustment report, the way you find it is when you go to Amazon Sell Essential, you go to reports, fulfillment. On the left-hand side, you're going to have all this menu of reports. That's where you can get it. So you get the inventory adjustment report. That's the first type. The second type is manage FBA inventory report. That's the second type. And the third type will be reimbursement report. Okay, this is where things become more sophisticated and complex. Nick, feel free to stop me at any time if you need. No problem. Mm -hmm. All right, so you download these three different reports. Now I just want to talk about the logic of each report. So, because the more we understand the logic, everything else will follow. I assume that anybody is listening or watching this is really good with Excel and filtering and manipulating data. If you're, if you're not good with that, you, that's a different issue that you have. But I'm assuming you're good with that. And it's all good. So here's your mission. From the first report, which is the inventory adjustment report, they're telling you find all the codes, all the transactions that uh, uh, that basically showed to you that uh, an inventory got lost or damaged in the past 18 months. So just to make it simple on the example, all the units that got lost, you find in the first report. So you find a unit that got lost, first report, then you cross-reference it with the second report. In the second report, which is manage FBA inventory report, okay, that which is the second report, you got to find if maybe that inventory that got lost already got found. If it got found, you don't file a claim. You stop there. If it didn't get found, then you move to the second, uh, the, the next report, okay? The next report is uh, FBA, uh, sorry, it's a reimbursement report. You gotta see if maybe Amazon has already automatically uh, reimbursed you. Because uh, I wanna step back a little bit. Just so you guys know, Amazon will, and their, their system will automatically reimburse you for anything that they find, which is okay. But in their terms of service, they tell you we're gonna automatically reimburse you 
We need about 30 days to do it. But after 30 days, it's up to you, the seller, to audit us, to go back 18 months and check us out. And of course, if we're still, if you're still, um, you know, eligible, open a case. So this is a premise we already did. We gave it that time frame. It's all good. Because the moment we download the report, that re report is fresh. It's after the, the, the 30 days. That's when they release the report. Okay. So in other words, first report got lost. Second report, see if it got found. If it did not get found, you move on to the third report, which is did it get reimbursed? If it got reimbursed, you don't open a case, right? You stop there. It's all good. Well, of course, if it did not get reimbursed, then you're eligible to file a case. So let's go back to the logic. Did it get lost? Yes. Did it get found? No. Did it get reimbursed? No. Boom. You have eligibility to open a case. You open the case, you present the data of that and all that basically logic. They're going to keep, they're going to do their own investigation, reconcile it. They might provide you with some more data. They say, oh, it actually did get found, but in that report, it could happen. But if not, they say, oh, we apologize. Here's your reimbursement. And this is where, this is a, a, for, to, to, to simplify as much as I can with the rest of the stuff that happens in the past 18 months for every this single year. Like, they got to reconcile. This is like running a thousand mile marathon. You know, you, if you win, <coughs> you will get all kinds of prizes and your life will change. And then you train and then you start the marathon, but you run the whole thousand miles in the process. Everybody else is dead because it's so hard <laughs> You're running out there. <laughs> so you do win, but by the time you win, you cannot enjoy the winnings because you, you are completely on the floor. You, you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's um, yeah. There's there's a balance. Of the, it's 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 not so simple. A to to do it. It's not so incentivizing for business owners and entrepreneurs that sell on Amazon to do this because it's not exciting, to be honest. Because you know, as, as an entrepreneur, you want to launch products, you want to sell products, you want to build a brand. Yeah, exactly. Build a business. I mean, the, the, that's what I was thinking. So what's happening is, so in the early days, when I say early days, I'm talking about like really early days uh, after the Stone Ages, and so people, uh, the the society started to shape itself with different professionals appearing. So, and then the medicine was created. So you, you had doctors, so you had doctors and, uh, you know, you had just fairly small number of specialists. Uh, first of all, if you were a doctor, you were supposed to know everything. And then, you know, you had the specialists. And so now, you know, you go, you have a little, uh, you know, your, your arm is aching. You go to the arm doctor and the arm doctor says, oh, you know, you need to go see the hand guy. You go to the hand guy and says, no, 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 I deal with fingers. And then you go to the <laughs> yeah, oh, because you're very, very specializing granular. Yeah, I deal with the thumb. And then the, you go to the thumb guy and says, no, I deal with the nail only. You need <laughs> to see the, So, So this Amazon ecosystem, really, what I'm hearing from you has become so fragmented. Yes. That it is not. So, guys, you're listening to this. You are confused. You say, what the hell is this? You know, <laughs> this this podcast is not a tutorial. So I don't want you to do anything that Yoni told you <laughs> because it's not as simple. When you start clicking, you're going to find there are other things. So he is basically trying to demonstrate to you that this is a tedious thing. And he's putting this on the radar screen for you as a leader. Uh, running the Amazon operation, that you've got to do something about that. And you need to, if you do have an intimate understanding of how to use tools and how to use Seller Central, and, and you have the, the longevity to stay with the, the tickets and the investigations, by all means, get into it or get somebody to do it. But you've got to make this a priority because your inventory is disappearing that you paid for that you accounted for as a 
a way to you invest it. You invest it, yeah, to generate revenue, which will turn profit. Yes. Yeah, your cash is being siphoned out of your operation, and you don't even know. That's the worst. You don't even know. So, uh, so it is the responsibility of every business leader to put this on the table and say, "We we've got to do something about this." And then just if you're not going to do that in house, seek help. So. Uh, let's talk about the kind of help available out there. So what kind of help they should look out for, what they should avoid, what, what, what is like, uh, you know, you know, there are some feel good solutions, right? So you, it's like, you know, signing up for a gym, you know, the first of the year you go sign up and then as soon as you put the credit card through and then they charge you, you know, you feel like you already lost five pounds. <laughs> <laughs> I like so, the analogy. Yeah. Yeah. What, what what kind of solutions are feel good solutions, but really don't deliver value? And and uh, since you, you are in this space, so give us give us the things to watch out for. Yeah, it's it's more about like uh, if I use the gym analogy, the gym is great. It could be the state of the art. It's all good, but it really depends on how much you use it. If you don't use it, you get no value. So there's great tools out there. One 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 of them I can definitely mention is. Uh, from Helium 10, it's called Refund Genie. It's a tool. But let's not forget it's a tool. You have to do the work. Uh, so you have to religiously be able to take the time, you or somebody from your team, to dedicate it and use the tool to uh, to um, to fix all or to find and, and work on all the stuff that all the units that got lost or damaged in the past 18 months. So that example I just gave you with a complex one, that tool helps with that. But it doesn't help you with other issues. Okay, mm-hmm. so it only kind of covers two out of 30, but definitely recommend it. They're a partner of ours, Helium 10. It's really good. I just want to step back a little bit. You have to understand with Gitita, we're not a software and we're not a tool. We're a solution. As a solution, we use software, software and tool that we created to give you maximum impact. And the maximum impact is to make sure you get the maximum recovery that you're eligible to receive. And once again, it doesn't have to be us or you. It could be together. You use all the tools that are available in the market or even you developed on your own and your own uh, logic. It's all good. Get the maximum. And whatever you're missing out on, we're going to be able to step in and get you that recovery. So it's like a backup system if you need it. In other words, we're very customizable. So keep that in mind. Um, so yeah, other solutions are just pretty much the tools that you're going to have to dig yourself and do all that work. Uh, other solutions out there that uh, provide the management, uh, what to look out for is to make sure that they're an authorized solution provider by Amazon. So if you visit Amazon Sell Essential, there's an app store. Make sure that they're there because if they're there, it means that they have a commitment to you guys but also they have a commitment to Amazon to make sure that their terms of service compliant, data security, private policy, where they're securing your data, what are they doing with your data, are they Amazon sellers, are they not Amazon sellers, all these conflict of interest that might be happening if for all these, uh, other server, uh, service providers or solution providers. For us, on our end, we don't sell on Amazon anymore. We used to sell. We did a pretty large business. I can t- touch about that if you want. But today, our sole mission and focus is helping sellers. We're not in the retail game anymore. Our sole focus really to solve this challenge uh, we audit billions of dollars worth of transactions every single day across our network. Uh, we have a team of over 125 people in six countries. So really, this is our focus. This is our mission. This is kind of our passion and our drive, uh, which brings the results because we're not focused on other things. Meaning if you reach out there, like you said to the doctor, if you, you can get a general doctor which, who understands a little bit about everything. So you might have these uh, solutions that also provide a, a tool or some sort of solution for this, but also for advertising, to so logistics, for repricing, for all these things, which is cool. But definitely not specialized in that one issue, like the doctor. He said when he goes, you know, it's it's a it's an arm doctor. So I would like to say that we're more like brain surgeons. You have problems with your brain or the, the nerve system. You a general doctor might kind of look into it, maybe help you a little bit. 
But really, if you have to resolve something, you got to take something out of there. If God forbid there's a tumor or whatever, you go to the brain surgeon, the brain doctor, which uh, it knows what the problem is and how to solve it. it. has the right tools, the right team, the right structure to basically get that recovery or recover you from your issue. That's kind of more of the, the, the world that we live in in terms of auditing and reimbursements. It's a, it's a very specific, narrow niche that we live in, that universe, and it's called Amazon FBA Auditing and Reimbursements. Yeah. So when we talked, you gave an analogy, which I think made a lot of sense. And I think that's what people ought to look for. So uh, when I gave the example of uh, you know, helium 10 tool, you said, well, that's a nice toothbrush. He says, we are the dentist. Correct. So, you know, you, you can't really fix your cavity if you, with a toothbrush. You might yeah. be trying to prevent it, but you can't fix it. That's true. Yeah. yeah. So at some point, you need it fixed. Well, so... And you go to the dentist. So you are right. That's why I introduced you as top of the food chain because all the all roads ultimately lead to you because there is the, the methodology, there is the tools, and then there is the knowledge. And then there is the the stamina to stay with it. Oh, that's a good that's a good uh, first time I hear about that. Yeah, the stamina. That's a good one. That's uh, well, I'm, I mean that, that's I'm gonna take that. Listen, <laughs> life is a stamina, you know. Being yeah, an entrepreneur, true. being an Amazon seller is all about stamina. So without stamina, forget it. Uh, Amazon purposely does not want anybody who wants a quick turnaround. That That's not they are here for. No, that stamina is such a huge word for the industry. This industry of selling on Amazon, being an online retailer, especially on Amazon, really stamina is uh, actually, I don't know why only now it takes me all these years. Stamina is a big word to, to, for success. If you really want us to succeed on this uh, in this industry, Stamina is a real ingredient that you have to have uh, with you. You can't buy stamina, though. You have to really have that, that, you know, that mentality or something. Listen, a long time ago, I heard the saying, if you want to finish the race in the first position, the first thing you have to do is to finish the race. So, That's true. so you, 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 everything in life is all about you know, making it all the way to the end. Uh, just stay in the game. Stay in the game. We see the examples of it. I mean, uh, I remember a uh, long time ago in politics, uh, this guy was running for president and they, somebody took his picture. He had his own suitcase. He was carrying his own suitcase in the airport. They asked him, where are you going? He says, I'm going to the primary. They, and he ended up getting the nomination for the party. Nobody supported him at the beginning. Everybody was flocking to other, other candidates but he ended up getting the nomination because he just made it to the end. So he's dead now. I mean, it, it's uh, it's all about making it all the way to the end. So, okay. So I think we made a good point that this is a serious thing that people should consider. They need to get their specialist and do something about it. You never know how much money is out there. And of course, the higher the revenue, uh, the more the exposure. And therefore, uh, if your revenue is going up, that means the amount of inventory you carry is going up in value. So these things add up. So you may find actually very uh, a, a nice sum of money. And actually, it's, it's an ongoing process. This is not a one-time deal. Never ending. As long as you're in the race, like you said, and you're finishing the race daily, meaning you're, you're, um, you're selling products, that's the end of the race for the unit. Uh, you build that volume. Uh, you always have that issue. I, I can share if you guys want. Uh, some statistical data points so you guys have an idea what is the issue here so statistically speaking we find out that on an annual basis the discrepancy rate re uh, you know uh, reaches to uh, one to three percent from your revenue 
And okay, so if you're doing a million dollars in revenue, one to three percent could be ten to thirty thousand dollars of issues they have to resolve. If you're doing ten million, that's a hundred thousand to three hundred thousand. If you're doing a hundred million, it's one to three million, and on and on it goes. That's a spectrum uh, and of the world that we live in. That one to three percent discrepancy rate. Uh, in other words, another way to look at it is that for every one hundred units you ship to Amazon's fulfillment center, between one to three units is going to experience an issue, a discrepancy throughout the life cycle in Amazon's ecosystem. That's pretty much uh, the high level yeah. overview of, of the issue. Yeah. And also the other point to emphasize is uh, whatever solution they they get, uh, they hire, it has to be performance-based. So because it's one thing to identify 1% of your revenue disappearing but it's another to pay an arm and a leg that exceeds that 1%. So yeah, yeah, make sure, sure, yeah, it's recovered. It's in your pocket before you, first it's in your pocket. And then you can, you can you can reward whoever helped you. That's kind of the model that we have. First, we get you paid. You get paid, you get the recovery. And then later on, at the end of the month, we do our summary and say, hey, this is the results. You already have the money in your pocket. Then uh, we charge our fee. That's kind of yeah. the, the flow. Nobody takes money in advance. Nobody takes a subscription. You don't have to guess. What's going on? You get full visibility. I didn't even talk about our platform. We do have a dashboard that gives you real-time visibility about for all the work that we do in real time, the cases that we open, what's the status of each one, did it get paid, did it get rejected, is it still pending, how much money recovered? Uh, we recovered in the past 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, and so forth. We actually won the gold award from the American Business Awards for this uh, technology because effectively behind the scene, you have a whole army working for you, but all that work is translated in real time to a dashboard. So that was kind of innovative, bridging the human and and the technological uh, together. And then you know what's going on. You have a team behind you. It's all transparent. You see what's going on. And only when you got rewarded, then you reward somebody somebody else. And that for the past seven years, it became um, kind of a recipe of success. So you can really focus on what matters for your business. You focus on moving forward, launching, sourcing, branding, advertising, all these crazy elements that are complex to begin with. But we're like archeologists. We always have your back. We're always looking to the past. We come with our toothbrushes. We brush the dirt and the sand. We find a golden coin. We put it back in your pocket, and only then we get rewarded. So that's kind of the element that that uh, we we have in our eyes, at least. Okay, so le- let's talk about uh, some other aspects of the Amazon operation from, if you like, a little bit of uh, the perspective of this uh, operation. So first of all, talk about uh, out of the clients that you have. What is a good team? look like in terms of roles and responsibilities to make it big on Amazon and and talk about out of those people who are doing different things, who is the best person to be in charge of this little operation? The auditing. So typically what we see in the larger, more successful bodies, because you, we, of course you have the micropreneurs, you got those sellers that do everything. Right, they they do everything. They have, uh, for, but they, of course, they outsource everything. They uh, they have a factory to manufacture. They have a logistics company to do the logistics to to, to to maybe ship the products from uh, the factory in China all the way to the fulfillment center in America. So, but they're sitting on a cockpit. They do everything, and they might do a, a couple hundred thousand in revenue, or maybe a few million. But typically, once in up to the few millions, they will start. It's it's very very uh, demanding to to do everything on your own. So they might start getting VAs, virtual assistants, stuff like that. So if you're in that sphere, you might get a few VAs. So you, and some of these VAs might know the basic elements of re- reconciling, or you know it, so at least you teach them. That can work for you on a very basic level. Once again, I do recommend getting a support system or a specialist to back you up for anything that's missing. That's on the micropreneur level. 
when you have organizations where they're kind of doing, I would say over 5 million, over 10 million and up, or tens of millions or hundreds of millions, we have those as well. We see the main difference is that they made up some sort of a switch, at least mentally, that this is a profession for them. This is not a side hustle. This is not a hobby. This is not a side business. This is the business. And they're professionals. They're a brain surgeon. They're a doctor. They're a lawyer. They, you know, so they, they learn what they learn, but for them, it's like going to, uh, to med school. And now this is a profession. So they take it very, very seriously. They build a team around it that, that have a, not like basic entry level or they kind of tell that they'll get the best talent that the market has to offer, right? Uh, either they breed them in-house and they, they invest as much as you can in them. So these um, people in the organization will uh, listen to podcasts like this one, will watch YouTube videos, will go to conferences, will go to shows. They'll suck up all the data and all the uh, educational materials that are out there to really make sure that, A, they know everything there is to know but they keep learning. It's a learning thing. A professional keeps on learning. It doesn't just say, hey, I know what I know. The, the game's over. Well, Amazon changes the rules all the time. So exactly. Up to date. As yeah. a professional, you realize that the only thing that doesn't change is change. Mm -hmm. So you yeah. gotta keep adapting. So whoever's on your team is built with that mentality. They keep on learning. And, and each one with their own elements. It could be your advertising person. It could be your logistics person. It could be your uh, sourcing person. Whoever it is, they're highly trained, highly focused, highly motivated and passionate people. And you see it creates a huge, large body that is highly successful, highly competitive, and it just shines in, in a very nice way. But typically in terms of the auditing and stuff like that, it typically connects to the operations people. It's just part of the operations. Uh, many times it's the one that it's in charge of the 3PL, of the shipments, because you will need documentation that are related to shipments, right? You ship it, you need the bill of lading, or you need the, the proof of deliveries, you need the, the packing slips, you need the invoices. So the op operations people, maybe the admin people who have access to these documentation, they're going to have to get involved. Forget about us. With Amazon, if they do it on their own, to, to have all this data available so they can reconcile properly. So it hones in on that ops people, the admin people, people who have access to the documents that relates to um, costs, which is invoices, but also logistics, which is uh, all the uh, uh, proof of deliveries. Uh, that's where we see it lays with. Um, so that, that's kind of what we see so far. Okay, so what I'm hearing is uh, someone who handles paperwork as well as transactions. Yeah, and they're they're pretty comfortable with data as well. Yeah. Yeah, and also not I'm not uh, I'm I'm hearing analytics person is not the best person to handle this. This is basically clinical kind of work that needs to be done in order to provide the supporting materials, but also interface with the operations people. That's it's, what it's I mean. Honestly, it depends on your resources. So it could be a team effort. So one of them is really good with analytics to, to deal with those analytical issues. But another one is more of an ops person has access to the documents if they're ever needed. And that's what you get, it's well-rounded. If you have just the people who just good with analytics, that's good for those issues, but not necessarily with all the stuff that requires documentation. So you might be missing out and vice versa. You have the people who really good with the documentation and clerical, but not good with the data. So you're missing out. That's by the way, how you, it makes sense to have a, a, a solution out there that will help you back it up. So whatever weakness that you have within your organization with your own talent, you have that backup. Now you see how it kind of all makes sense to have a right yeah. backup. So you, you have what you have and you make the best of it. This is your lemon, you squeeze it all good, but there's others who are be able to come in and squeeze much more of that lemon for you. And only if you get, if it's sweet enough and, and it tastes good and it's uh, it's real lemonade. Uh, you're you're going to reward somebody for that uh, juice. So, uh, I mean, what I have in mind is really, I mean, I would not 
So I used to be an Amazon seller and I'm an analytics guy uh, and you used to be an Amazon seller. So uh, you got into this and you made it your own business. But as an Amazon seller, I would never do this in-house. I would get a provider and make sure it's the right kind of provider that will actually deliver the result. And, and I don't mean like trust the guy. I mean, as a matter of their service offering, that's how they operate. Get somebody like that and then designate a point person to support the provider because, you know, you can find all the stuff, but in the end, you're going to come back to the seller and say, can you give me this? Can you give me that? 100%. You nailed it on the head. Correct. It's not only yeah. that you're going to have to find a solution out there. You have to, have to find a person in your organization that's responsible enough to accommodate them when needed. Not necessarily will be needed, but if when I do, they have a POC point of connection. That's exactly. at least when we set up uh, the account, we have a POC with your somebody from your organization. They can take responsibility so we can, once again, so we can get you the maximum. Our mission, again, is always making sure you get the maximum that you're eligible to receive one way or another. So they have all these knickknack and elements that are, that, uh, you know, that are part of the impact. And we'll make sure that we're very impactful. So we set that in motion as we set you up. Yeah. So you need somebody. And, and what I'm seeing from conversation is that person is someone who will interface with the fulfillment operation, whether it's 3PL, your warehouse or whatever, and then also interface with accounting, maybe get the uh, purchase orders or whatever the case may be, and then you know play the, the goal between the company and the, and the provider. So that way you get the best of both worlds. You don't have to waste your time digging into this kind of minutiae. I mean, think about it, if you, just as a math, why this makes no sense to do in-house. So let's say that you do it, a million dollars in revenue in a year, let's say, small operation. But still, most sellers would love to get to a million dollars a year. <laughs> That's a lot of money for most sellers. So, but let's say it's a million dollars and it's one to three percent. So let's say that is three percent. So what is the what is three percent of a million dollars, right? About thirty thousand, yeah. Thirty thousand. So the thirty thousand dollars is all you're gonna save. It makes no sense for one full-time person to designate even three hours a week for us. It, the math doesn't add up. So it's best to outsource it and then get somebody, but just support that provider so that you can get every penny you, you, you need. Okay. Yeah. All right. I think we beat this issue to, to, to that, to that and how to do it. Uh, but uh, I mean, thank you for bringing this uh, up because I, I mean, I know this, I've been around, I, I've been hearing about it, but, uh, when you really start thinking and dissecting the whole Amazon operation from returns, refunds to in transfers to inbound shipments, there's all kinds of places where the, your inventory could be leaking. And this is the way to, uh, to get it back. So um, putting this in the perspective, uh, so if you could wish one thing for Amazon to change in their policies for third-party sellers, what do you think that would be? Um, that's a very loaded question. It's, it's very loaded. I can, I, can answer it, I can answer it in a million ways, but uh, I, I can only choose one, so I'll choose this yeah. one. I just want to make sure everybody has the right perspective. Honestly, just a bit more clarity. If they can, um, for the sellers, if they one way or another, and the language, they can start with the language. When they write messages to sellers or communicate with you, if they can be a bit more clear and not as uh, ambiguous, they'll be very helpful for many sellers out there because sometimes you just don't know what they want from you. They are speaking English, 
but for some reason it's not so clear what's going on and so many sellers get confused they might they make mistakes or rob amazon the wrong way uh just uh to, to invest a lot into a certain direction where they're supposed to be investing in a completely different direction uh and, and it's, it has all these modules it could be with the shipments it could be with the advertising it could be with uh, customer support it could be with uh, uh listing when you create the listings all these elements put together Think about it. There's millions of sellers out there. I think globally it's 6 million. In the United States, it's 2 million. They're all kind of figuring it out as they go. And especially the successful ones, I see it as a big, amazing success because they were able to figure it out. Really, a part of the success is really having Amazon's mindset, understanding their lingo, deciphering the language and the mentality and really excelling in it. And the ones that lag behind many times, it's often because it's not so clear to them. It's not as intuitive to them. So if they can improve a little bit of that you know, language and communication and transparency. So it's a bit more intuitive to the rest, to many other sellers. I think they're going to get more much, uh, more impact on the marketplace. They're going to get better products with better pricing, with more competitive pricing, with better selection, exactly what they want for the consumers. So if they can change a little bit of that or put more effort, I don't think that's very expensive for them. They're just a little bit of a, more of a consideration. They might get more, uh, more of a lift. And because I lift for the sellers is a lift for Amazon. It's a lift for consumers. It's a triple win. So for my little humble uh, corner, um, a bit more transparency, a bit better, easier language for sellers, uh, it might go a long way. Yeah, I mean, I always say this. So really, the what I hear you really suggest is Amazon's seller support. Uh, you, you just focus on the language aspect of it. But in general, Amazon's seller support falls very much short of their own business model, except for sellers. Their, their business model is provide the best customer experience. And in the case of sellers, really, sellers are Amazon's customer because, because of the sellers, they make a, a nice... They pay the fees. They pay the fees, right? They pay yeah. just like the client. But they, pay, they don't uh, provide the best customer experience. They have people who just repeat themselves. I mean, we understand all that, but this is what I learned. One is a, a general lesson in life in general, especially as a business leader. And the other is specific to Amazon. Everything is a mindset. When you see something as a problem, it becomes a problem. When you see something as something for you to prove yourself, and it's a challenge that's been thrown at you and tested it, and actually there is, there is a gold mine behind it, then approaching it with curiosity, Embracing it, trying to understand what it is, it changes everything. So change the mindset, and it starts with accepting it instead of fighting it. So so that's it. So when Amazon throws this at you, you've got a problem, whatever, uh, you got suspended, whatever. So uh, they will tell you why it's, you've been suspended. Embrace it. Don't go on the blame game or whatever. Or a lot of the times they say, oh, Amazon is stupid. Why don't they know? This is so it's always there. Well, Amazon is stupid. Well, trillion dollars of value. And I guess they're, they, they, they kind of know what they're doing. That's very true. Uh, yeah, I, I think they, they, got a, they got an idea about what to do. So, so, so accept it, embrace it, and then approach. The second one is with Amazon, when it comes to language, you have to learn to read between the lines because the language is there. They deal with millions of people. There's liability issues. By the way, Amazon got sued many times, class actions. They won all of them. 
So Congress you know, is on their back still, but yeah, still, it's, not, it's a tough challenge for the government. So if the government is being challenged to try to figure them out, and they have yeah. much more resources than the regular uh, businessman, so keep that in mind. Yeah, so uh, just you need to read between the lines. You need to learn, and you need to be able to anticipate. And if you do this, you're going to get a sense of what's coming your way before it happens. So uh, those are the things. So, okay, so let's learn a little bit about you now. Uh, so tell us uh, where do you live and uh, where is your operation? I know you mentioned six countries, but I'm interested in you personally in terms of, uh, you know, what are some of your passions? What else do you do outside of dealing with Amazon? You got it. So uh, currently I live in New Jersey in a small town called Fairlawn, uh, which is about 10 minutes away from our you know, our, our, you know our, our corporate office, which is in Teaneck, New Jersey. So it's northern New Jersey. It's very it's five minutes away from Manhattan. So I was essentially live in the New York uh, city area, but on the other side of the, the river, the Hudson River. Uh, so technically it's in New Jersey. It's not in New York. Um, I'm married. I got three uh, children. Uh, we're expecting one more, God willing. So we're excited about that. Um, I was born and raised in Israel. I... Uh, I served in the Navy intelligence in Israel, uh, and then I, I came here to the United States. I went, came to school here. Um, I f- met my wife, so I fell in love, and I got married, and I kind of got stuck, so I'm still around here. Um, my mother's American, so I always had family here. I, got, I always had my grandparents here and, and, and uh, aunts and uncles. Um, so, yeah, uh, I play piano. I play guitar. I used to be in a band back in high school. Uh, I, I don't uh, play on, uh, on stages anymore music, but I do play at home. So I play to, to my kids. I like that a lot. I love reading books. Um, I love history. I'm kind of a history buff. Uh, uh, we did play a trivia last Saturday with my kids and they had, it was about countries. And uh, actually, uh, uh, Turkey came up and uh, we had to guess what's the, you know, what's the population, what's the size of it, and, uh, and also what's the capital city. It turns out it's not Istanbul, it's Ankara. <laughs> <laughs> so things of that nature. So uh, you know, I'll put it all together. That's you kind like, of a, you like family fun. So uh, oh yeah, big time. Yeah. So uh, so tell me about. So I heard naval intelligence. So I I can see a direct connection between na- naval intelligence and and this kind of work that you do because when you started, it's about you said analytics. So is that what drove you, or is it something else that because I mean. Even getting into naval intelligence, I mean, was that a choice? So, yeah. So I, um, what I had to do, uh, to be honest, is after high school, I went for a whole year to a special school just to learn Arabic. Because, you know, uh, Israel is in a neighborhood where most of our neighbors, they speak that language. So, uh, so that's kind of um, the, the reality is when you, when you deal with the military and stuff like that, the Navy, uh, and you will need to uh, get all this information and data it's typically in another language. Um, so I studied for a whole year just so I can get into the intelligence community. We call it the intelligence community in Israel. And uh, then I, I had to go through special training to, to be in the Navy intelligence. And they actually call it SNI, Special Navy Intelligence. Uh, so I had to pick up a new language, but that's one layer of element. But also um, once we got trained, it took over a year of training. Once I got drafted, um, it's basically how to process a lot of information coming from every single direction, make sense of it, and what's useful, what's not useful, and and do you pass it on? Who do you pass it on to? So that was kind of high level of the elements that were I was dealing with with my service. Um, today I find it very useful, but it's not like I got out of the army. I said, you know what, this this thing going on with Amazon, I'm gonna fix it. 
It wasn't like that at all. I never saw that coming. Uh, if I can get to the story, I'll, I'll tell you the evolution of Getira in a nutshell is that about a decade ago, uh, we started selling online. When I say we, as myself and my co-founder, Max Born, he's still my partner today. And back in the day, we started on eBay. That was the main arena. And then 2013, we started selling on Amazon and the business grew very quickly from zero to 20 million in FBA sales. And then we became a part of a larger group. The Together as a group, we're doing about 100 million in FBA revenue. And what happened was that our spreadsheets were breaking. We could not process the data that was coming to us every day anymore. We're just breaking. So that pushed us to create technology. That's the first thing we did, but also create a dedicated team to just solve this issue. So the combination of technology and the team created the solution and we created it for ourselves. It worked pretty well. And then we told our friends from the industry that we have these capabilities. They told us, help us, we'll pay you. And that was the early genesis and creation of Getita back in 2015. And in the first two, three years, it was kind of growing organically because the value proposition was so simple. We get you something, only then we get rewarded. So it kind of worked. So uh, after a few years, we made a strategic decision to cash out of uh, our retail positions. So we can really focus on helping as many sellers as we can. And really, once we made the change in our motivation, creativity, passion, uh, drive, and attention was just on help and doing one thing and helping others, that's when I would say we kind of took leadership on this uh, little industry and niche. Uh, so that's how we got to where we are today. And looking back to the uh, Navy days, kind of help out. It's, it's a lot of layers of, of, of ability was born there as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's it's given you an educated approach, but I want to uh, understand a little bit more. So. Uh, so you, you you came out of high school and then you spent a year learning Arabic. Yep. So you said that in order to get into intelligence. So, but who put that on the cards? I mean, what you, you could have become a doctor, lawyer, whatever. So why did you want to get into intelligence? Yeah. So uh, the army is a very large body. I I do like languages. I uh, when growing up, I grew up with English in my house because of my parents. I, I, like I mentioned earlier, I'm kind of very musical, and for me, um, language is like music. You know, mm-hmm. it's like lyrics. If the lyrics uh, you hear it enough, so you catch it. Something mm-hmm. with words in the language. So that was kind of uh, instilled in me. And I said, okay, what can I do with languages and 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 um, in the army that can be really useful and also kind of use my head. So intelligence was kind of uh, kind of obvious. I see. Right? So 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 really. Language was the product, but your interest was in music. In a way, yeah, yeah, I, uh, they do have uh, musical bands in the army, but it's it's really hard to get accepted. So there's much more chance the the intelligence community is much larger, and the ones that are accepted to the military uh, bands are actually become celebrities afterwards. They become really famous artists and stuff like that. I wasn't my ambition. I love music. I had a kind of a talent for it. I did it. But intelligence seems much more uh, reasonable because it's much um, larger and, and there's more chances of, of being able to be very useful. Um, yeah, and, and it works so out. Where did, so, I mean, the way I see it, obviously, you, you, you talk, you, you're too close to the subject matter. <laughs> so what I'm listening to everything, what I'm hearing is your interest in music led you to utilize language that, you know, was pleasant thing for you to wrap yourself around with then suddenly pointed to the best place to use that language was the military and in the military of course the intelligence valued this the most because uh, you know especially when the world changed after 9-11 suddenly you know you had to know different languages in order to collect intelligence so so really music started in all so 
where did the interest in music come from? Do, are you, is your family musical family or how did that work? Um, my father has a good voice. He sings, you know, we go to the temples and synagogues and I see, I hear him sing. So he was very, and he used to, he likes to uh, can write songs. He never published anything, but he was, he had a knack for it. I would say that one, that, that much. Uh, and when I grew up, we always had a piano. For some reason, I don't know how we got a piano in our house. So it was very, I don't know why. And I just, uh, we had, we're six kids. I'm fourth out of six. My, so myself, I got very drawn to the piano. I, I don't know why it, it just kind of resonated with me. So I took lessons and I, I studied for six years and I used to play recitals and I it came to me naturally. Uh, so the instrument was there. I picked up on it. It was a natural thing. And the rest is, it was kind of history. Yeah. Okay. Well, so, so for anybody listening, put a piano in front of your kids and then maybe they'll end up in first naval intelligence. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I did, by the way. So when I bought my house, my dream thing was not, I didn't care about a couch or a bed. The, the, the main thing that I wanted for my house uh, was a piano. So I finally, you know, I was able to, once I was finally able to accomplish that uh, for my house, I was very proud. It was a very proud moment for myself. Cool. So, um, so yeah, Yoni, tell us about uh, your contact information and uh, we'll obviously put your contact information on the website, uh, but give us what that is and how people can reach you and anybody uh, who wants to reach out to you, uh, where they can connect with you. Yeah, I, I, I uh, gladly I will do so, but I was just, I wanted to ask you if it's okay. Uh, of course, it's free, just, I want to remind everybody, it is free to join Gitira. It doesn't cost anything to join us and it doesn't cost anything to stay with us. We only charge you a few for successful. But on top of all that, if you, if you want, Nick, I can actually offer some free money to your viewers, if that's okay. Want me to give, sure, give him course. a special offer? Sure. So if you if you guys want, uh, what I want to, to give you guys is um, $400 free in reimbursements. So no matter what, you're going to have $400 extra in your pocket. After I'm going to give you a promo code right now to, to use. Um, so after $400, if you want to leave us, you can leave. If you want to stay, you can stay. But at least you can try it out, see what it's like. And we're going to reward you no matter what. It might take us a few days or a few weeks to get you that, but it's a guarantee. Uh, you can just visit getita.com forward slash Argometrics. Argo is A-R-G-O-M-E-T-R-I-X. And you'll get $400 in free reimbursements. Um, so that's kind of a guarantee. Just from taking your time listening to this, hopefully this will uh, reward you. So, of course, you can uh, claim the offer and find us there. But, of course, you can uh, check me out on, uh, on social media. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn and Facebook. Uh, the name is Yoni Mazor, Y-O-N-I-M-A-Z-O-R. My personal email, if somebody has a question, they want to learn more or any kind of help that they need regarding Amazon, I'll, I would like to you know, offer that help. Uh, it's just M agatita.com, which is Y-O-N-I-M, agatita.com. Gatita is G-E-T-I-D-A. Uh, that's, that's pretty much it. Hopefully, this is useful. That's great. Thank you, Yoni. This is... Uh... I, I'm sure people will take action, and uh, and thank you for the promotion. Uh, that's very nice of you, and uh, I would encourage everybody to take advantage of it. Today, nobody gives money, uh, and here you've got 400 bucks. So uh, just go claim it, and then follow it up because he's gonna find you money that currently is not in your pocket. So thank you again, Yoni, and. Um, yeah, I'll uh, hopefully see you again. And that brings us to the end of another episode. And I'll see you on the next one. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Be sure and subscribe, rate, and review our show. And be sure and share an episode with a friend. And thank you so much for being with us today. We'll see you next week here on Amazon Legends. <laughs>